You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. So with that, normally I would turn it over to somebody to read scripture, which was going to be Elon. And I was already thinking of things that I could poke at him for because usually he's poking at me. But I won't do that. Instead, I get to introduce Adam. And uh, so I'm going to pray for him. It's, it's always uh, a huge privilege just to see the blessings in this church of all the talents. I think of like Tim and the worship team and even some of the hidden talents. Matt, every once in a while, will uh, jump up there. But Adam and Danae, we've got a lot of uh, talent within the congregation, um, and that includes preaching as well. And so we have several um, elders who take turns preaching, and so it's always a privilege to get to hear uh, from Adam, and he brings his whole uh, team. He, they roll deep, and they cheer for him, so that's always exciting to see too. So uh, I'll take a minute to, uh, to pray and introduce him. God, we just, uh, we thank you for this morning and just the beautiful day outside and just um, the many blessings that you give us, God. And one of those blessings is just to get to hear from uh, different people and uh, different styles and to um, get the privilege of uh, just hearing your word uh, this morning. And so we just pray that you would just be with Adam, guide his words, may they be um, from you, and that you would just give him clear uh, mind and thought, and that he would um, bring what you've laid on his heart this morning, and that um, our hearts would be open and attentive uh, to that, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Usually, being one of the elders, I usually get a lot of heads-up time to help and prepare, and and God kind of just really laid more of a question on my heart than a, a particular passage. Don't worry, I'm still going to be going through the Bible, okay? <laughs> but um, it's kind of a small question. Um, it's, what is the purpose of life? <laughs> uh, maybe it's a little bit bigger than a small one. You know, the purpose of life is something that each one of us ask. It's, it doesn't matter if we're Christian or not, right? We are all seeking, what is our life about? You know, Webster's defines purpose as something set up as an object or an end to be obtained. So the purpose of our life, like what are we trying to get at in our life? What are we trying, like when we die, what what are people going to say? What was the purpose of our existence here? You know, for us, we usually think about a spiritual calling, but everyone asks, what is the purpose And this morning, I do want to talk about three things when it comes to our purpose. And I really do hope that hopefully we already know the answer to this question. This is not going to be a surprise here. But hopefully it's more of an encouragement. The three things I'd like to talk about today is, first of all, you were designed specifically for your purpose. The second is that there is a universal purpose And lastly, what is your individual purpose in life? So first of all, let's talk about my first point. You were specifically made for your purpose. As it mentions in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if God has a purpose for you specifically in the time and space of creation. And if he considered you personally enough to give you your own unique personality 
and character traits. Wouldn't it make sense that how God created you and his purpose in this time and space are a matched set? Right? God did not create you in such a way that you would not be able to achieve your purpose in life. I know it seems sometimes that what God wants us to do is beyond our capabilities, but a lot of times that's God working through us. It's, it's this process of sanctification leading us to that purpose. Now, who you are, your personality, your strengths and weaknesses your likes and dislikes, those traits that make you distinctly you are yours and yours for a purpose. God knew who you would be long before you were ever born, and he knew what he had in store for you as well. You, who you are as a purpose, uh, who, who you are as a purpose, uh, person is definitely matched up with what you are trying to achieve in this life. Now, Psychologists pretty much agree that who you are, what makes you you, is made up of two things, nature and nurture. As far as nature, nature is basically the, uh, the building blocks of who we are. You know, mom and dad each contributed 23 chromosomes to your genetic makeup. Chromosomes are rod-like structures made up of thousands of genes. And genes are made up of complex DNA molecules. And all of us who have been to high school biology know that DNA molecules are basically the building blocks that make us us. Now, how you came out is kind of like shaking dice in a Yahtzee cup from your parents' genes, right? Sometimes uh, dominant genes get pushed ahead. Sometimes those recessive genes actually come out. I mean, my wife has dark brown hair, and yet both of our kids, not. That's the dominant gene. Some of those genes just tend to average out. You know, your eye color, your hair, your height are all a result of the nature inherited by your parents. And sometimes we have problems inherited from our parents. You know, sometimes people struggle with, struggle with addictions, weight problems, anger. There's these different genetic markers that are embedded inside of us. But let me tell you that God also has a second set of chromosomes instilled into you. Those were as a result of your second birth, the birth of the spirit. You don't inherit spiritual chromosome pairs from your mom and dad in your spiritual birth, but like your physical birth, who you are spiritually is a result of your spiritual nature and nurture. As it says in Romans 12, four through seven, a little hot there. <laughs> For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, God has given us different character traits, different spiritual gifts when we were born again. And the physical traits, our strengths, our weaknesses, our likes and dislikes we inherited from our parents are any more of an accident in God's plan for our lives than the spiritual one he's given us when we were born again. 
He made you physically to fulfill his purpose, just like he made you spiritually to fulfill his purpose. There is nothing in your natural makeup, those traits that you inherited as a result of your natural birth or in your spiritual makeup that isn't a part of God's perfect will and plan for your life. You know, the strength, the things that you're really good at glorify God because he gave them to you. You know, your natural talents and abilities were given to you with a purpose for their use in mind. I mean, do you really think that God has given you an eye to be able to take a picture in the dexterity of the hand to paint a beautiful picture if he didn't intend for you to use that for the glory of God? Maybe it was business acumen that you can just see problems and you can make solutions to them. Why would he not give them to you if it was not for his kingdom? What about your love for animals? Maybe you're crazy with anything with fur, right? Have you ever like asked yourself or asked God why he's given you that love? Maybe you have a deep natural love for music, nature, architecture. What about your love for children or empathy towards other? Did God give you those natural loves without a purpose in mind? I know for me, he gave me um, a natural ability of logic. Like I can um, just kind of mathematically work out things. And he also gave me an empathy towards others. And both of those sets I use in my job as a high school math teacher. And even in teaching high school math, I give that to God. I see where I'm at as a mission field. I may not be teaching the Bible, but I am showing them God's love in the way I act and the way I treat others. Now, it's easy for us to see our talents, our abilities and interests as gifts from God to be used for his purpose. But what about our shortcomings and handicaps? What about those natural aversions, the things and people we just can't seem to gather up any natural affection for? You know, are our weaknesses and dislikes a part of God's purpose as well? Well, the Apostle Paul knew all too well that God chose us to, uh, chose to use his weakness as well as his strength. God, uh, Paul carried with, uh, with him what he called a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times Paul pled for God to remove his weakness from his life. And God's answer to Paul showed what his purpose was. My grace is sufficient to you. For in my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, even those people that we have in our lives that we may not gravitate towards, maybe people we find unlovely, there is a purpose for them being in your lives. You know, as God says in Luke chapter 6, verses 32 and 33, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good for those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that, right? Sometimes God uses people that we are not wanting to help, and he puts us in our lives so we can help them and show love to them because we are overflowed with love. Even at the time, Jonah did not want to preach to the Ninevites. He hated the Ninevites. But what did God do? He, he like literally put him in a whale to transport him over there, right? 
And even though Jonah was super stubborn, God used him to deliver many people in that city. You know, Moses was a man full of insecurities. When God assigned him the task of delivering the Israelites from Egypt, Moses made every excuse possible to try to get out of the job. And yet, God still used Moses. Peter. Peter was the man who uh, just couldn't help but running his mouth. He was like one of the most wishy-washy people. Right? At, at one step, he was ready to defend Jesus to the death. And the next moment, he denied even knowing him to a young kid. But as we can see that God used Peter, he made him the name he bestowed upon him, Peter, the rock. And as we are going through the book of Acts right now, we see that truly Peter is the rock of the early church. In your weaknesses, when God turns your natural aversions around to his glory, the world takes notice. You know, it's awesome when we use our strengths to glorify God. And it's something we're happy to do. But when God uses our weaknesses, too, to glorify God, man, the world just, like, they don't know what to do with that. I can tell you myself, um, Brandon was saying, yeah, it's awesome to hear, like, different people come up here and preach. And if you were to ask me years ago, like, hey, do you ever want to go and preach? I'd be like, Heck no. Like, I, that was definitely not something I ever wanted to do. Like, okay, I can teach math to a bunch of underage kids because that's just something I was naturally talented in. But actually preaching the gospel in a church, that was definitely low on my list. But God had other plans for me. I mean, even speaking of this, I've been an elder long enough to where when... Andrew first started preaching full time. I mean, when he came here, he wanted just to be the, the, uh, the elder who just did everything behind the scenes and did not want to get up here and speak in front of anyone. And through God's plan, he did the exact opposite of what Andrew wanted. <laughs> and when Andrew comes up here and speaks, like, uh, we are just so blessed. And it just seems like this was like a natural ability of Andrew's. But no, this was from God, right? Now, how you're built, the gifts and handicaps you've been given, your likes and your dislikes are all things that bundle together to make you, you. And they are there for a purpose. The spiritual gifts that God has given to you and the measures of faith allotted to you are sufficient to accomplish the purpose that God has in your life. Now, not only does nature, what is passed down upon you, help shape who you are, but also nurture. Nurture is defined as basically the circumstances in your life, how you're brought up, past experiences that help shape who you are today. You know, where you grew up, how your parents raised you, you know, all those past experiences all definitely play a major role of who you are. But know that in your second birth, our spiritual nurture, our past experiences, plays an important role in our purpose as well. Again, God created you uniquely in this time and place. And he will use your past, yes, your past experiences, in helping to fulfill his purpose in you. Have you ever had a traumatic past experience that helped you uniquely in ministering to others? 
You know, how many times in, in life has past tragedies is truly a way of God shaping you for a future purpose? I can tell you in my life, one of my biggest tragedies, I was lost a son. And I don't know how many times I've looked back and seen the growth in my life, the growth in my wife's life, the growth in my daughter's life, seeing it all around me and how it shaped me in dealing with others, in dealing with people and in seeing God's love. As it mentions in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, you know the story of Joseph, right? If you don't, I recommend you pick up a Bible, go through Genesis, uh, I don't know, 37 through 50, good starting point, I guess. But let me give you his, uh, his story, his life in, in bullet points. He was the second from the youngest of 12 boys. He was dad's favorite. He was good looking, well built and smart, but really kind of clueless when it came to sibling politics. <laughs> he had a dream about his brothers and his parents bowing down before him. His family wasn't thrilled about that. He dodges assassination attempt by the brothers and is sold as a slave into the Midianite traders. The traders sell him to an Egyptian bureaucrat, and he gets promoted to the head of the household staff. The bureaucrat's wife starts getting the hots for him, gets rebuffed, and she lies about a relationship to where he gets thrown in jail. Well, Joseph gets another promotion in jail and becomes the de facto jail administrator. He interprets dreams and seals the fate of Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer. The cupbearer immediately forgets about this, and Joseph spent another two years in jail. Well, Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer remembers an overdue debt, and so Joseph meets Pharaoh. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream, becomes prime minister, and rescues his family from the famine, and becomes the catalyst by which the family of Jacob becomes the nation of Israel. Now, looking at the big picture, it's obvious to us that Joseph lived a life of eternal destiny. If God hadn't brought him to Egypt and then brought him to power, if there hadn't been a severe famine in the land, his family never would have moved to Goshen, a prime piece of real estate that their family was thrive in and eventually grow from a family into a nation. I mean, we could see God's hand clearly at work in Joseph's life with every twist of fate. But I wonder if Joseph felt that way all the time. I mean, at 17, he was ripped from his home and family and sold as a slave. He spent 13 years in a foreign country, either as a slave or in jail. God was watching over him, and he enjoyed a certain level of success, but he was still a slave or a prisoner in a foreign country. I bet there was times in those 13 years where Joseph wondered what had gone wrong in his life. What great divine plan had separated him from his home and family and put him in servitude and in prison? He remembered the promise that God made to his father, Jacob. He remembered the dream he had that one day his family would bow down before him. And where was that promise? Where were those dreams now? The way his life was shaping up, I bet he was sure he would never even see his family again. Now at 30 years old, Joseph's life had a dramatic turnaround. 
through a whirlwind series of events, he found himself as prime minister to Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, and enjoyed as much success as humanly possible for a foreigner in this country. Yet, I bet his heart still ached for his family and his home. Another eight or nine years transpired, and Joseph was pushing 40 and looked like God's promise and his dreams were a part of another life. Long ago and far away from this present situation. Now Joseph made the best of his circumstance, whatever the circumstance happened to be at the moment. He had no idea how God would keep his promise to Jacob or how his own dreams would be fulfilled. From where he was, all he could see was the situation at hand. And he had to trust in God. Now, almost 4,000 years later, we can see the big picture pretty clearly. Right? If Joseph hadn't been sold by his brothers into slavery, he never would have traveled to Egypt. If he hadn't, been, if he hadn't resisted the amorous advances of the Potiphar's wife, he would never have been, able, never been sent to jail. If he hadn't been in jail and interpreted the cupbearer's dreams, he would never have been in the Pharaoh's court. If he never interpreted the Pharaoh's dream, he would never have been put in a position of power to be able to help his family during the famine. You know, all the seemingly bad stuff that happened to Joseph in those 20 odd years wasn't outside of God's plan. It wasn't in spite of God's plan. It was God's plan. Looking at the big picture over the span of Joseph's life and beyond, it's easy to see God working his plan and Joseph's eternal purpose unfolding. But what Joseph didn't have and what we don't have is perspective. We can't see the big picture, right? I bet it's pretty difficult in Joseph's life when he's dodging uh, <laughs> little love advances Right? Or if he's sitting in jail, falsely, ex falsely accused, I bet it's hard to see the big picture at those moments. But the plan is there anyways. Seeing it is only a matter of perspective. You know, the great thing about Joseph is that he just kept on trusting God, whether he could see the plan working or not. He found himself in a lot of different situations, some of them pretty good and some of them pretty bad. A lot of different situations, but only one purpose. There's probably times when Joseph felt that God's plan for his life had gone terribly wrong. But whatever the circumstance, he honored God in his actions, and God worked his purpose. Now, in my own eyes, I can see so many parts of my life that just seem like it's a waste. I look back at circumstances, the way I've treated others, and I'm like, how can this ever be part of God's purpose? There's so much in my life that's wrong. It would be a miracle if this ever was for God's purpose. And it truly is a miracle. Because God has this purpose in my life. God has this purpose in each one of our lives. And I want to drive this home to you guys, each and every one of you. I'm speaking to each one of you. You were made specifically in this time and place to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Who you are, where you grew up, all of your experiences has put you here in this building right now to fulfill God's purpose. 
which brings me to my second point. What is this purpose, right? What is the universal purpose? And when we think about purpose, sometimes we think about the big picture, right? That's kind of what the dictionary defines it as, the end to be obtained. But many times we aren't as interested in what is our purpose each and every moment, each and every day. Well, I can tell you in the Bible, it tells you what our purpose is. It's actually found in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And it reads, as he said to him, he being Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we should need to love our Lord, our God, with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. We need to love others as we love ourselves. Your purpose, what God's plan is for your life, is unique and individual for you, but it's also universal. It's meant for every single one of us. You know, the unique part of our purpose deals with our individual circumstances, our individual abilities, our individual situations. But the universal part of your purpose is how we are to treat God and how we are to treat others. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind. If you can't get this one right, you could forget about finding your purpose. I'll be honest, without the purpose giver, there is no purpose. Now, when I say to love your God, I do not mean to love the idea of him. I want to be honest, I fall into this trap way, way too often in my life. I'll go throughout the day and I'll live a morally righteous lifestyle, right? I'm treating others nicely. I'm treating my family nicely. But I can go throughout the whole day without thinking of God. Or I can think of God, but I do not commune with God. Guys, if we truly love the Lord, our God, with our heart and soul and mind, we ache to be with him. We need moment by moment to be with him. We need to talk with him. We need to listen to him. Right? When I say talk, we need to pray. Way, way more than we do right now. And when I say pray, hey, ask him the things you need. You might think God already knows it. Yeah, he does. But he wants us to ask because he wants us to recognize when he's answering those prayers. Right? But it's not just a to-do list. Right? We love God. We want to glorify him. We want to spend time listening to him, knowing more about him. Now, Please don't take this the wrong way. I hope you don't get out of this. I need to read the Bible X amount of minutes. I need to pray X amount of times a day. That's called an obligation. But truly, what was breaking my heart on preparing this, we need to search inside ourselves as how much do we ache to be with him, right? How many times during the day do we just rejoice over everything with him? I'm not talking about doing that hour-long prayer. But it's like, dear Lord, just help me. I have three big meetings this week that I need to get through. Or, Thank you, God. You sustained me through this day. And I just, there was just a lot on my plate. God, I did not have a lot of sleep last night, and you are still making things happen in my life. Thank you, Lord. Right? Not only that, but we need to be crying out to him 
in our tragedies. Sometimes things go wrong in our lives and we need to ask, Lord, please, please either tell me why this is happening or give me the peace that you are sovereign, Lord. But whatever the circumstance may be, do we truly love the Lord with our heart and soul and mind? Love the neighbor as yourself. Our neighbors are everyone we come in contact with, the lovelies and the unlovelies. You know, there are neighbors when they are a pain, and there are neighbors when they're in pain. You know, Jesus' time on earth was spent teaching us who our neighbors were and how to treat them. The less important they were, or the more unlovely they were, the greater grace and love Jesus bestowed upon them. I will say this, guys, if you are loving God with your heart and soul and mind, loving others is like the easiest thing in the world. Because if you're in communion with God, he is bestowing so much love into you, like so much that it's like overflowing. And you don't even know what to do with this. And you have like no choice but to love others. As it says in Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so, if our daily purpose in the short term is to love our Lord with our heart and soul and mind and to love others as ourselves, what is the big purpose in our lives individually? We know that God has made us specifically and uniquely for this time and place in this moment. And he uses both our strengths and weaknesses to glorify him. As it says in Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plants in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, the Bible indicates that Plans tend to look at things from man's side of the equation, and purpose tends to look at things from God's side. The biggest problem with our concept of purpose, right? Like even saying, hey, what is our purpose in life? Let me change that question. What is God's purpose in our life? Right? We're all too eager to fit God's purpose into our plans. We're really big on believing that God's purpose is to give us health and wealth and prosperity. Right? But sometimes God does not call us to health, wealth, and prosperity. He calls us to personal sacrifice and going through fire in this process of sanctification. I mean, how often do we pray, thy will be done, and really mean it? Again, I talked about my son who passed away. We actually knew at the 20-week ultrasound, he had a rare syndrome called Potter's syndrome, and he was gonna die right after birth. And oh my gosh, every single day, every day, I prayed, God, miraculously heal my son. Please, I know you are the God of healing. Please heal my son. Not once, not twice, like throughout the day, every single day. And what happened during this time, I started changing my prayers. 
I started changing him to, Lord, I, I never stopped praying for his healing, but I said, if it's your will, please heal my son. God, I want your glory to be shown. And if it's through healing my son, please do. But your will be done. And it was this change in my prayer to where I started seeing God's love and grace through everywhere. It was honestly the biggest transformation in my spiritual life I ever had. The most important thing to remember is that your purpose is really his purpose. And how can we glorify God in our lives? Sometimes his purpose overrides our plans, and that's as it should be. There are some things that are more important than health and wealth and prosperity. There are some things more important than life here on earth. As it mentions in John 12, verses 24 and 25, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. When we are loving the Lord, loving others, and being in communion with God, the day will come, or it already has, when God will show you a purpose, an outcome to have. Now, the way those happen come in different ways. They come differently for different people. I know in some, some people, they will encounter this in a dream or a vision. I, I'll be honest, that's never happened to me, which is fine. But I 100% believe it. If you don't believe it, I encourage you to ask Andrew about he, how he even came to this random town in California, right? It was actually in a dream. It's it, like the whole story is just so amazing to see how God worked, not only through the dreams, but through people calling him and Brandon up, not Brandon Follett. <laughs> but just the circumstances, just bringing them from, from Texas to California, just amazing. I, I highly recommend to ask him that story if you haven't heard it. But for others, sometimes it's through prayer and through reading the Bible, and God will give you this deep sense. Maybe you're struggling with the question, and he will answer it. You know, when God gives you that direction, it may not make sense on the surface. And your friends and family may think you, you've just gone crazy at that moment. But when God talks to you personally about what he wants to do in your life, there's no mistaking it. And if that's the case, I mean, you have no choice but to follow it. Because if you're loving the Lord, your God, with your heart and soul and your strength and your mind, it is your absolute pleasure to serve God, right? He tells you what to do and like anything in the world that may seem like this is dumb to do, what, what God's asked you to do, you're like, I don't care, I love God. Being in that type of relationship, we wanna do everything we can to honor the creator of the universe and in this purpose, I guarantee you, if he's called you to a specific purpose, you know that purpose is going to be there to treat others as yourself, to honor, to just love others. That's part of this purpose. And please 
Guys, know this. Every single one of you, that purpose is there for you individually. And he has made you uniquely in this time and place, sitting here in Enclave, in Turlock, in the year 2023. He has used your past experiences. He has used the genetic markers of your parents. He has used your spiritual gifts you received in your spiritual birth. He has used all of this to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And how awesome is that? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for everything you do in our lives, Lord. God, that you are using us for your purpose, for your kingdom. Lord, there is no greater honor. And Lord, I just pray that in our lives, Lord, when we see our past mistakes, that we don't hide from them, Lord, but that we glorify you, that you've delivered us. And that these experiences are helping to shape us to fulfill your purpose in loving others. God, expand our hearts that we may love you more, that we may serve you more, Lord. God, we just thank you and we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.